Exactly. But right now I'm joined by Professor Jerry Gilmore from the Cambridge University's Astrophysics Department. Good morning. Good morning. How are we today? Fine and sunny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On the inside at least. <laughs> On the inside at least. Uh, you're in the country at the moment, um, uh, really essentially to celebrate the 50th anniversary of uh, Mount St. John's um, Observatory? That's correct, yes. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the observatory up near Lake Tekapo. <coughs> it's uh, really a national facility, but it's managed by Canterbury University, mm -hmm. and that was where I did my PhD thesis. Mm -hmm. I was the first student doing a PhD there back in the late 1970s. And now that, um, that department has come up in leaps and bounds. It Since then. at least did until uh, till the earthquake knocked yeah. it back a bit. But <laughs> of course, yeah. But uh, the observatory is certainly a major international capability now. Big mm -hmm. Japanese telescope there, and all sorts of it's it's a world class thing. Yeah, and you know, of course, Tikibo's night sky. Um, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. No, no it is gorgeous. That's certainly the best in the world. Um, so they say. So they say. I think they're right. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, and you're also giving a, um, a series of lectures around the country, and you were here giving one yesterday um, for the physics department. And um, while, and, and now you are you're giving two talks, but um, the one you gave here was about about Gaia, and you are looking at other things. But while um, you know a lot of the more talked about experiments and projects are about the spaces between the stars, uh, you, you, um, Gaia essentially is about taking a census of the Milky Way. To that's, a certain extent. That's correct, yes. Gaia is the first ever three-dimensional census mm -hmm. of the Milky Way. Uh, the hard part in studying astronomy is that space is big and mm -hmm. stars far away, and so it's really hard to get an accurate measurement of how far away they are. So Gaia is the first experiment, first satellite, that's designed to provide a genuine census mm -hmm. of a fair sample of the Milky Way. Yeah. One billion stars, that's 1% of yeah. our own Milky Way. <coughs> and so and that's a fair sample. That is a fair sample, but still small in terms of uh, what's out there. It is. Yeah. Space is a big place. But Gaia is, Gaia is a truly remarkable uh, step, leap forward. It's a total revolution in yeah. our knowledge, quantitative knowledge, <coughs> of the way the Milky Way is put together and how stuff is moving. Yeah. Um, what kind of equipment is on board, this, uh, on board the craft? You've got two telescopes. Yeah, there's two telescopes hanging on a ring, which is a, some, uh, a new magic material, uh, it's called silicon carbide, so it's the toughest material ever built, it's 300 mm -hmm. times stronger than steel, wow. weight for weight, and it's almost completely impervious to temperature, it's a million times less sensitive to temperature than steel, mm -hmm. so it's strong and it's stiff, <coughs> and on it is hanging two telescopes feeding the biggest camera ever built. Wow. It is a, a huge camera, it's a billion pixels. And, you know, the normal camera you have in your phone or something like that is smaller than your little fingernail. Mm -hmm. Well, this one is over a metre long by half a metre wide. It's yeah. the size of a coffee table. It is humongous. So it's way bigger than uh, Hubble's? Oh, vastly. vastly it, it is by a huge margin. <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing ever built. It is huge oh, and it's magnificent. That's amazing. And you say you're taking um, three-dimensional mapping of, of, of it, but, um, but there is also... Um, you're doing something in six dimensional too, well, well, yes, it's actually somewhere between 12 and 18 dimensions, depending mm. on uh, how you count the <coughs> what you're measuring and how bright the star is. Yeah. <coughs> and three of those dimensions are where the thing is. Yeah. Up, down, and far back and forwards, and it's the back and forwards bit that's hard. I'll mention that in a minute. But then, of course, you keep observing. We keep observing for six or eight years, and so we watch everything moving. Mm -hmm. And Gaia is so precise over that six or eight years, everything moves. Yeah. And yes. So we not only know where stuff is, we know what direction it's moving, so we can work out where it came from and where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and also, because stuff's moving, uh, we can work out 
how much weight there must be holding it where it is so we can weigh the stuff we cannot see as well as counting the stuff we can see yeah yeah and then in, in that regards um with the weight and the movement of the planet um we were just talking about off air before and the fact that it's called gaia um you know you're also looking for exoplanets uh, and you you get a wobble which is based on the gravitational pull of of the star and other planets around it as well yes that's right there's two points there let me just first mention the name is gaia uh, Gaia, we named it Gaia because Gaia in Hesiod's Theogony was the second goddess. The first god was Chaos. So mm-hmm. before, the, the, in the very beginning in Greek mythology, there was Chaos. And the essential feature of Chaos was it was unknowable. So there was no knowledge, no possible understanding. Mm-hmm. And then along came Gaia, the ultimate mother goddess, and not only created the earth and the stars and the sky and the Milky Way and so on, but she also created knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so that is perfect for us, yeah, you know, yeah. trying to understand. So that's the name, Gaia. Uh, but what um, uh, people, many people don't realise is that Copernicus was wrong. The sun is not at the centre of the solar system. The sun is pulled off the centre of the solar system a bit by the, by the gravitational force of the big planets, yeah. particularly Jupiter and Saturn. So the sun is actually orbiting about a point above its surface, and so it's making this rather complicated little cycloidal oscillation of a, roughly its diameter. Uh, and so we can see that around... Yeah. Not only we would see it around our sun if we were far away, but we will see it around all very large numbers of other stars. And so we will see planetary systems. And based on current numbers, we will find somewhere between 50,000 and 100,000 new planetary systems, so entire entire extrasolar systems. Yeah. And these are the nearby ones, which are the ones we can then go and with our giant ground-based telescopes block out the light from the star and watch those little planets going green in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's amazing, and, and, and why you, why you say green in summer and stuff like that, you're, um, it's amazing that you can actually find out the makeup of the gases within the atmosphere of these planets. Yeah, that's, uh, the, the planets are fairly faint, and that's why we need these big, giant, ground-based telescopes. So Gaia itself won't do that, but <coughs> it is possible. Uh, in fact, it's already been done for a few planets to mm. discover the dominant chemical elements in their atmospheres. Uh, and as we get more nearby planets, which are easier to study, and our bigger telescopes, which are being built at present, we will be able to do quite detailed studies. So we already know, for example, people have sent out small spacecraft and looked back at the Earth, mm-hmm. and we know how the uh, chlorophyll signature in the Earth's atmosphere changes with seasons. And so we know how the ozone hole changes the appearance and so on. So yeah. we'll be able to see all these signatures in other planets and mm-hmm. see... Well, the most obvious one is oxygen. You, oxygen is a sign of life. You cannot have... Oxygen is such a nasty reactive chemical. It just doesn't exist in the atmosphere unless you've got life creating it. So yeah. if you can find oxygen, you know somebody's down there breathing. Or at least some <laughs> buggers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, um, Voyager, I think, was used to look back on... Earth yes, that's right. Make up that... Um, See what we were made up of. Um, now it's interesting. Um, Gaia isn't without um, its hiccups. Everything no. has hiccups. Yeah, everything yeah. has hiccups. Um, you've solved one problem, I think, with the water molecules within it, but then you're in a higher orbit as well, and that's causing some trouble with um, with the light. Light pollution. Yeah, that's right. Yes, the, the Gaia is the most precision instrument ever built by a huge margin, and it's it, it working very well, but no instrument is perfect. It's mm-hmm. state-of-the-art technology, and so we had three little glitches. One little glitch, which was expected, uh, is that it was Gaia was launched from Karoo in French Guiana, and that's at sea level on the Amazon jungle coast, just on the equator, mm-hmm. uh, and bits of Gaia are made of carbon fibre, and carbon fibre is hygroscopic, and so it soaked up water, and it was no 
known it was going to soak up about two kilograms of water, just and it did, just in the day that it was partially yeah. uh, exposed to a warm air. Um, and so that was known that that water was going to be there and would come out. In fact, it's, it's escaping much, much more slowly than expected. It was yeah. thought that this would all be over in the first three months, just during the shakedown phase. But it's still trickling out slowly. But because this was anticipated, heaters are on the back of the mirror. They uh -huh. heat the mirrors to a humongously hot minus 165 <laughs> degrees, <laughs> which is hot enough to ablate the, the ice off and it evaporates away. Yeah. So we'll, there's, that's going, there'll be another heat event on June the 29th, so a month from now, six weeks. And then we'll probably have one more later in the northern summer, your winter. And that'll be that. That's gone. Yeah. <coughs> but the other problem is the, the Gaia has a sun shield. It sits, the satellite itself sits in the cold and dark, keep it stable. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a sun shield, which is about half the size of a, so a tennis court folded open. It's, it was folded up for launch. Uh, it's made of the same sort of stuff as survival blanket. It's got two layers of survival blanket with some um, carbon fiber strengthening mm -hmm. stuck in between. And a few of the carbon fiber fibers are sticking out the edge. It was decided not to cut them off in case they got caught in the electronics and caused serious damage. But the flip side of that, which it didn't, so the electronics works brilliantly, yeah, yeah. but the flip side is that uh, there's a little bit of light being diffracted around the sunscreen by these fibres, and so that's a, that's a pain, but it's not a disaster. Yeah. Now, um, it's been, you've been online since last year, it was launched in 2013, I believe. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and you've been online since last year. Um, what have you seen so far? Anything to get you really excited? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, the main thing we've seen is that guys working really well. Yeah. Uh, we won't... Uh, because Gaia's, the, the data from Gaia is so uniquely new, we can't actually just go and compare it with other stuff because there's nothing that's remotely good enough to tell us what Gaia is like. Yeah. Uh, so, but we've got a, a fairly good idea of what's working. The thing that is already working, and, and you and anybody else can go and look at it and discover it, I was just talking to my colleagues. They're just, right now actually, as we are speaking, they're just publishing three more new discoveries. Mm -hmm. uh, and these discoveries are the real-time variables in the sky because Gaia's a camera keeps taking pictures yeah. you can bear the most recent picture with the previous one and go hey wow something there uh, and those discoveries are being published as they come through on a website called gaia.ac.uk and yeah. they're available for the public and for amateurs and for schools and the professionals to go and follow them up so about 10 minutes ago guy found a seven quite bright young supernova Oh yeah, yeah. So wow. there you are. That's a news release for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just about to ask about new, uh, supernovas. You probably expect to see quite a few. Yeah, we uh, find a few a day. Yeah, and we found three today, so we're on track. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's so much going on. <laughs> it's going to take you decades to um, look at all the. It will. Data. Yeah, yeah. Be of the the plan for Gaia is to observe a billion stars, but in fact, it's working so well, we'll probably get over one and a half billion. Uh, and it just takes a long time to go through. It'll all be done by computer programs, of course. There's no human can actually look at one and a half billion bits of information. <laughs> it just takes too long to read, turn the pages. Yeah. Uh, but it's going. We the expectation in the community is that for the next 30 years, we're still going to be discovering new things that Gaia did. Yeah. So there's going to be a huge citizen science data mining operation for decades to come. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, I mean, this is this must be pretty exciting for you. Oh, it's mind-blowingly exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it is genuinely the first time we've ever gone into this dimension, this place of actually knowing where stuff is, how yeah. far away it is, and whether it's moving or not. Uh, and, and the history of science tells you that every time you go into some new branch of science, like the first radio astronomy, the first x-ray astronomy, the first studies of DNA crystals, the first categorization of fossils, you'd name it, you discover mm -hmm. completely unanticipated things. 
And so, although we can't tell you what we're going to discover, the expectation is that Gaia is going to tell us about things that we simply don't know exist yet. Yeah. They're out there, they look ordinary, but they're not. Well, what, so that's your ultimate outcome, is just to discover what's new, you know? I mean, because uh, we've almost done as much exploring as we can on planet Earth. Yeah, and except for the bottoms of the oceans. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, no, even been, there we've been a bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So, I mean... Um, but yeah, know. that's exactly the way astronomy is still done. We're still a discovery science, and so yeah. it's still it's a suck-it-and-see business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, just quickly, let's... I just want to touch a little bit on... Uh, because you're not just uh, giving talks on this, you're also talking about uh, dark matter and whatnot. Yep, dark matter and dark energy and big questions and nature yeah. of reality and all that fun stuff we everything do in astronomy. That, everything that kind of, you know, holds everything together in a part. Yes, that's right. Everything that holds everything together, but also provides the clue for understanding the really big questions that we want to know, like why are we here and why are we getting older and why are we made of matter and not antimatter and so on. Mm-hmm. Probably the history of science in the 20th century tells us the answer to really big questions is new elementary particles. So when Maxwell combined electricity and magnetism, he predicted a new elementary particle, which was the photon. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know it was an elementary particle until decades later when Einstein showed it was. Uh, this carried on. The most fa- recent famous example is Peter Higgs and the Higgs yep. boson. Mm-hmm. Why are you heavy? Well, the answer is some complicated theory and a new particle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the thing about dark matter is that we strongly suspect, and proving it, we strongly suspect it's made of at least one and probably several different elementary particles, new ones, and the history tells us that those new particles are part of the answer to big questions. Mm-hmm. And so the exciting, one of the many exciting things about dark matter is that it is telling us that there is an answer to these big questions. We don't know which question. Is it yeah. why time goes forward? Is it why the universe is made of matter and not antimatter? Is it why there is, why is there a universe at all? These are the really big fundamental questions. Is there a theory of everything? How does quantum gravity work? You know, all this sort of stuff. The answer to those questions is dark matter. Yeah. The thing that we don't know yet is what is the question. And that's uh, what CERN is for, I guess. That's part of the, part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CERN is busy looking to try and find the things that astronomy has told it is there. Yeah. And it's, it's astronomy that's discovering the nature of existence, the nature of reality, and then people on Earth scramble to try and follow it up. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right, because, you know, it soon gets all the news. It gets all the, it, it you does. know, that, that, that's just the, um, the end game. Think about as soon as you can go and see the hardware. Our, yeah. our hardware is one and a half million <laughs> kilometres away. <laughs> Um, um, well, thank you so much for coming and seeing me this morning, Jerry. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I've enjoyed the chat. Yeah, and um, and th- I'm enjoying Dunedin and lovely town. Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not too bad. But you know, you're from Cambridge. I'm sure you're. Well, you're not from Cambridge. You're from Timaru, but I'm sure you're used to the uh, the grey skies. Uh, Cambridge is pretty dry, actually, but uh, the the architecture here looks very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, enjoy the rest of your stay in Dunedin and uh, the rest of New Zealand. Um, even you know you're from here, so you know what it's all about. But I hope you're enjoying your uh, your time here, and um, hopefully you can mould some young minds into um, helping uh, answer the questions in the future that will still be around, no doubt. There will be plenty of questions, and I'm hope there's plenty of bright young minds excited to answer them. Indeed, indeed. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me this morning, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time here. Thank you. Cheers.